Good morning, Great Church. So great to be with you this Sunday morning, our first Sunday of lockdown. Trust you all well. Locked up with some great people, or if you're alone, you're having good contact with people. Here we are in our makeshift temporary studio that we have made at our home. And I was told by the experts that you must have a plan to give perspectives. So I would like to introduce to you Jake, the Jacaranda wannabe. Right here to give perspective to the shot. We called him Jake because Jake is short from Jacob for Jacob. And I found the scripture that so has enthralled me. It's been one of my confessions over this time for my family, for our church, for the nation. It's Genesis 27 and it says this. It's a blessing Isaac gave over Jacob. It says, May God give you of heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. And I just felt like God making us a promise that he is going to cause the blessings of Jacob to come upon us, that new wine, um, an abundance of grain, heaven's dew and earth's richness would be upon us. So let that be a blessing to you as we start. We are spending time at the moment in first peter you will remember we spoke about how peter was writing to a group of people who've been exiled and they had gone through this huge cultural upheaval and how relevant that is to us today as we are going through a cultural upheaval right now everything's topsy-turvy the way things worked are not the way they are working now and we are trusting that the advice that he gave to those people would stand us in good stead that the word of the Lord to them will be the word of the Lord to us today. So we are going to start by looking at a scripture in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1 verse 13. It says this, Therefore, preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I want to pray for everyone watching this podcast, Lord God, that you would cause them to experience an understanding of how we succeed in difficulties, how we access the power of God, how we access the grace of God in situations that are where things are happening beyond our control. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone hearing this, Lord God, that you would touch their hearts with the revelation of your truth. You would encourage them, you'd undergird them with your power, and you'd make a way for them to break through the obstacles and the negativity that the enemy has thrown their way. So as we look at the scripture, I first see two things that really stand out to me. He says this, he says, prepare your mind for action and be sober minded. These are two things about our thought life. And you know what? Any psychologist, any psychiatrist will tell you what the Bible has been telling you for centuries. That the way you think about things determines how much success you will have in that in that particular arena. How your thoughts operate, determine your actions, determine your attitudes, determine your success or failure in certain arenas. And as we, as we are facing these very difficult times and these topsy-turvy, unpredictable situations, it's so important that we heed Peter's advice to people undergoing similar environments, that we are sober-minded. 
that we prepare our minds for action. Literally, that means was, was to gird up your, or pick up your, your skirts, because remember the men were, wore those long robes in that time, to pick those up, wrap them around you so you could run fast. How many of you have ever run a three-legged race? You know, when you ran a three-legged race, you had to choose your partner very carefully. Because if you got someone who was a little uncoordinated or whose stride wasn't the same as you or wasn't determined to win like you were and they ran all funny and they, their legs were going at different speeds to you, you just, you just didn't make the race. You fell, you didn't, it didn't work out well. And I feel like when our thoughts are not running well, when, we are so, when our thoughts kind of like act as that, that person in a three-legged race, they're kind of like running out of sync with the truth of God's word. They, they just not coordinated with God, God's doing in our life. They become this burden to us that just keeps on tripping us up. And I feel like as we go through this, this particular sermon, I'm trusting that God would realign your thoughts to his thoughts so that you are able to run well. You're able to kind of gird up all those thoughts and you're kind of able to make them work for you. That you would prepare your mind for action. That you would be sober-minded. That you would think the thoughts of heaven as you go about your everyday life. You all know, I've spoken to so many of you about how how fear has gripped your heart and, and then you meditate on the word of God and suddenly fear leaves or you listen to praise and worship music and suddenly things feel differently. What are we seeing here? We're seeing here that you're aligning your thoughts with the thoughts of Jesus. You're aligning your thoughts with the thoughts of the kingdom and you're becoming ready for action, ready for truth, ready to do the things that God has called you to do. You're becoming sober-minded, true-minded, not, not crazy-minded which is the opposite of sober-minded, is drunk-minded, which is crazy-minded. And you're becoming, you're becoming ready for action. You're becoming ready for success in your environment. So the first thing this particular portion of scripture is, talks about is it talks about us thinking well. Basically, that's what Peter's saying to these people. Think well, think rightly, think, think as you should think. And when I was contemplating this and praying, I felt like God reminded me of three important ways that we need to think well in environments like this. And the first one is that we need to think well about eternity. What do I mean about that? Luke 19 from 11 to 27 talks about, or Jesus tells this incredible parable, a parable of the miners. You've heard probably about the parable of the talents, but this one is a little bit different. The parable of the miners, there were 10 people and he gave this master came and he gave each person one miner, which was a large amount of money. And he said, go and do business until I come again. He went away and they, some of them were wicked and they didn't use their, what they'd been given well. Some of them were good and did use what they were given well. And when he came back, he said to one of them, what have you done? And he said, I've got, I've made your one miner into 10 miners. And he said, oh, that's fantastic. This is what he says to him. He says, rule over 10 cities. In context, that parable is talking about this. It's talking about the fact that Jesus was going away. He was about to be crucified, resurrected, and go to be his, with his father. And he said, I'm coming back again to take hold of my kingdom. And he's saying that the people who live well, who do right, who walk according to my ways, who take what I've given them and make the most of it, to these people, I will give cities to govern. 
So this is so different from the typical view of heaven that we all sit on clouds and play harps and kind of like have this airy fairy kind of experience. No, Jesus is saying that eternity will involve a new heaven, a new earth, a place where he governs physically, where um, life continues and people who have been faithful will govern with him. So what does that mean? It means something that R.C. Sproul says. It says, right now, what you do right now, right now counts forever. In other words, how you live now, how you think well, how you think about eternity matters. And so often we, we embrace temporary stuff and forsake the eternal. And Jesus is asking and Peter is asking this when he tells us to think well. One of the things that is important is that we think well about eternity. We think well about eternity. We understand that, our, that how we live now wins for us authority in the future. How you live your life now creates crowns for you, places of authority in the future. And so as we, as we go about every day, we have to understand that. Think well about eternity. The other thing that we need to think well about is we need to think well about who we are. Gosh, gosh, isn't the world telling you every day something about who you are? You're too big, you're too small, you're too clever, you're too stupid, you're too, your skin color's wrong, whatever. Something, something's wrong. Or, or it's trying to tell you that you're fantastic on your own. You don't need anyone. Just live your life as you want to. Let every desire that's in your heart just give expression to it. Oh my word. There are so many messages out there in the world. And so many of them are wrong. So many of them are trying to define you and define you wrong. One of the most important things you will ever get in your walk with God is thinking well about who you are. Brennan Manning, not R.C. Sproul, said this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. I so love that saying. I love it. Why? Because it's, it speaks what the Bible is saying. It's saying that the ultimate identity of who you are, how you need to define yourself is one loved by God. Interestingly enough, Peter, again, in the same book, later in chapter 4, he addresses the people he's writing to as his as beloved, as his dear ones. Different translations use different words, as loved members of the body. And he uses the word agapetos, which comes from agape, which is the unmerited, all-encompassing love of God that, that is, doesn't, doesn't depend on what we do. It's not, it's not conditional on our performance. It's the love of God that just loves us no matter what. It's the love you feel when you first hold that little baby of yours. It's the love you, you feel when you first met that one. It's just, it's an overwhelming love that is just overlooks faults, that just wants the best for the other person. It's the love that God exhibited when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the love that is sacrificial, unconditional. And what he is saying is we are products of that love. We are recipients of those, that love. We are ones who come from that love. We are the agapetos. 
when we start to think well of ourselves and we define ourselves in every situation as the ones loved by God and this is the God who dies for the ones he loves therefore he will move on our behalf he will make a way he will shatter obstacles he will move mountains as I stay in his will and move according to him do what he calls calls me to do live in his love then seas part walls fall things happen God makes a way for us that way is not always instant. Sometimes it's, it means a, a daily march through a wilderness. Sometimes it means spectacular miracles. Sometimes it means just getting up every day in the knowledge that you are loved and facing the day once more with his courage, with his, the understanding that he's with you. The greatest truth about you is that you are loved and that God is with you. We also need to think well about who God is. This is so very important. Oh my word, there are, there are so many different stories about who God is. Every time you fill out an insurance form, it's asking you this question, or, are you, or, or when you kind of apply for insurance, one of the categories you can apply for is acts of God. And that means like insurance against earthquakes, lightning strikes, floods, etc. As if God is the one that's pouring out these wrathful, terrible things on earth, that God is smiting us with plagues and viruses. And No, that's not God's heart. That's not who he is. He's a God of life. He's a resurrection resurrected God. He's a God of, who, who lives continuously in that place of love and truth. And therefore we can trust him. Colossians 1 verse 15 speaks this about Jesus. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In other words, how you know God is how you see Jesus. In other words, when you read your Bible and you read how Jesus lived, loved, worked, acted, that's who God is. And any view of God you have that is different from what Jesus demonstrate, demonstrated, then that view of God is wrong and needs to be obliterated, annihilated, let go of. A God who would come to earth and die for you is the God of creation, is the God that is calling you to him, is the God who is proclaiming over you love, life. You know, in this, in this time, I know we have just been downgraded to junk status, according to Moody. So sorry, Moody, you got it wrong. Wait till you see what happens and what God does in South, South Africa. But, but even in these troubled economic times, if God is who he says he is, if he has united us to him as we said yes to Jesus, then we have to understand this. We don't operate according to the world's economy. Of course, we must obey certain economic rules of, of where we live, but we are, not, we are not bound or chained to the economy of the earth. If God says, is who he says he is, then we are, we are free to be like him in this world, generous, loving, kind, humble, powerful, knowledgeable. You know, I heard this most amazing testimony. It just thrilled me. And I've heard a number of them like this. I, I heard of one small business owner who obviously, once this crisis hit, all his work dissipated because it involved traveling to people's homes, which you're not allowed to do. And so his business dissipated. And I heard from him and his wife recently that, that out of the blue, someone had just paid all their expenses, had just 
given them money, not because they'd done any work for them, but they just felt like God said they should do it. Another small business owner who had done a lot of work for people and number, as we know in this kind of environment, lots of small businesses, the, the people that they have supplied goods and services to just turned around and said, listen, we can't pay. And the wild thing is this small business owner tells a story how out of the blue, one of the people that he'd done work for just came and said, you know what? I'm just going to pay you early. I don't need to pay it now, but I'm going to pay you early, which mitigated for the others who, who couldn't pay. It's just the wildest thing. This is how it is. Remember, we learned two weeks back about Isaac, who in a time of famine obeyed God and stayed in the land. And it says he sowed and in that year, he reaped a hundredfold. And we learned about how the blessings of God follow the place of obedience. And so this is, this is what we have to understand, that, that when we get a right mind, right thinking about who God is, we can cooperate with what he's doing. We can live in the blessings and we can avoid the trap of trying to find all kinds of alternative ways to save ourselves and to bring e economic prosperity. Do what God has said. Follow what he has said you must do and you will see he will take care of the rest. That's the kind of God he is. That's who he claims to be and that's who he is. That's the Jesus that walked on this earth. That in times of trouble he turned five loaves and two fish into a meal for thousands of people. He took what, they, what was at hand and made it work when it should not have worked. This is the God we serve. This is the God who walked on water and called his people to do it with him. This is the God who healed the sick, raised the dead and called us to do it too. This is the God who lived. This is Jesus Christ who lived by faith in, his, in the love of his father and calls us to do that too. Trusting him in everything. And as we do that, we are confident of good things. Confident of good things. So... We learned that we, we need to think well, but in addition, we need to trust completely. As you can see, I converted my slides from Keynote to PowerPoint and sometimes the formatting goes awry. So please, I apologize for that. But, but we are meant to trust completely. Peter said this, set your hope fully, not just partially, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You've heard that saying, don't put your, all your eggs in one basket. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but it's a popular saying that basically says that when, when you put all your, your trust and your hope and your expectations in one place, it's like putting all your eggs in one basket. If something happens to that basket, all your hopes are dashed. And so it's saying, put your hope in a number of things. Put your expectation for, for future blessing in a number of things. Put your eggs in many different baskets. This scripture says the opposite. It says there's one basket that will always work. And that's the Jesus basket. So put all your eggs in that one basket. Put all your hope, all your trust in that one place in Jesus Christ. Because that will not disappoint you. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Trust completely. Trust when it's not sensible to trust. 
How many people do I know trusting for children when the doctor said it's impossible and yet they put their trust completely in God and now they have one, two and more children. I know one couple who, who was told by the doctors they would never have children. After two children, the doctor came to them and said, okay, I was wrong. Now we got to start, start making plans to stop having children. <laughs> Unless you want to have 500 children because it seems you just keep having children. I want, you to, I want you to grasp this. I want you to grasp this. That we can trust him completely. He will do what he says he will do. He will be who he is. He says he is. And he will make a way for you. And I know right now the biggest bombardment you're getting in your thought life. Is that will, is God faithful? Is God, will God be true? Will God protect me and my family? Will God make a way for me? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. I know there are troubled times ahead. Church, you know what? I've had dream after dream after dream, experience with God after experience with God after experience of God, where I've seen a deep, dark valley that we're walking through as a nation. And I've seen a dawn on the other side that is so bright, so beautiful, so incredible. My, my prophecy to you today is, though we walk through the shadow of the valley of death, we will fear no evil. Because, now I'm no longer quote, quoting Psalm 23, because on the other side of that valley, on the other side of the valley, is a wide open plain filled with the blessings and the grace and the glory of God. Do not lose hope in this time. Continue to walk. Continue to hold on to his promises. Because he is a God that you can trust completely. He is taking you to something glorious on the other side. He is. I want to say trust me on this, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say trust him on this. He has the scars on his hands and in his side and his feet to prove it. He's the God who will stop at nothing to see blessing coming to you. So, Max Lucado, he says this. Jesus gives us hope because he keeps us company. Why, why do I love that? Because, you know, as we're walking through this valley of the shadow of death, we can turn to the, the one side and see that, the great shepherd of our souls is walking with us. There is, there is nothing, nothing that any of us will ever face that God will not be with us in. For a start, he walked through it beforehand. So when Jesus lived on this earth, I've said it before, I want you to get in your hearts. He didn't just walk as Jesus, he walked as you. In other words, he faced your problems, he faced your issues, he faced your temptations, and he won. He defeated the enemy as you. In other words, when you stand and face these environments, Jesus is right next to you, and you can say this, gosh, I've already won in this. Jesus has already walked past here and defeated, crushed the enemy's head, and therefore, I can walk through this confident that victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory will not always be, I want to reiterate this, victory will not always be uh, like a download, like tons of dollars or tons of gold just falling around you to save you from your impending doom. No, it won't always be like uh, a beautiful woman just falling next to you. It won't always be just just uh, you getting 100% in an exam every time without studying. This is not the way usually the blessings of God work, although maybe he can do that. Mostly it works is that when you look to the side, there is Jesus and step by step he is walking through the valley with you. He's telling you where to put your foot. He's telling you which way to go and he's pointing you to a future that is filled with good things. And church, I want you to see this at the end of this crisis. 
there is something great. I'm not saying that we won't go through hard times, but at the end of this crisis, there is so much good, not just for you, but for your environments, the society for South Africa. I've seen it. I've tasted it. I know that it is true. Why? Because, I, because I've seen, I've seen Jesus and I know who he is and what he's called us to do and, and what, what he says he will do. That through him we are more than conquerors. That means that he hands us the victory. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says this, not only, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love this. I love this. Because it's saying that as we face difficult times, as we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, as we walk through this difficult place, this difficult time, if we do not give up, there is a hope that will, that will not put us to shame, that will not embarrass us, that will not leave us feeling like I shouldn't have hoped in that. In other words, it's a hope that's sure and true. Because why? God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What does that mean? It means he's with us. That's why we can have hope because he's with us. He's with us. He's with us. We are the loved ones and we can rest assured that he is walking with us. He's walking with us. You know, church, I just think, I just think, for instance, what I would do for my children. Oh my gosh, anything, anything. And I think how much God would will do for his beloved ones. Of course, he's not going to break the rules, bend the rules, his rules stand, but he will help us to walk rightly. He will help us to receive the kingdom. He will help us to live in the victory that he's destined for us. So I want to pray for each and every one of you. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone here. Lord, I know, I know we are facing tough times. I know it's difficult and I know, Father God, for many people there, there's, it just looks black ahead. But Lord God, that's not true. That's not true. That's just a bend in the road. When they get there and they turn and they see, they will see the bright rising sun, sun of Jesus Christ. They will see that everything has been leading them to something good, to a hope in the future. And so my, my prayer for everyone watching this is don't give up. Don't turn the, to the right. Don't turn to the left. Don't, don't forsake the promises that God has given you. What he says before he will do. And he will lead you into something glorious, lovely, magnificent, true, hopeful, prosperous. I am in a couple of weeks. I'm still formulating my thoughts, but I am going to put a prophetic word for the nation of South Africa that God has given me. And I am, I just want to make sure I'm really getting it right. So it will take me a little while to get it together, but I will put it up very soon. You can go and look at it on my, on my um, blog which is carol.gosman at WordPress. You can just go and find it there and you, you'll be able to see it. I'll also post the link on our, our media, social media. But I, I'm honestly convinced of this church, that even though we're facing negative times, that there is a God who's made us promises. He's made promises to South Africa. He's made promises to your family. And those promises are what must guide us through this moment. Not the reports from the media, not that latest WhatsApp message that you got that said these terrible things. What must guide us is the promises of God. 
Love you so much. Wish I was with you in every single home. I know Andrew feels the same. We have sent out to you a questionnaire, a little discussion guide. Would love you with the people who are watching this with you to take some time to answer those questions and pray for one another. We, we will continue to communicate you, to you through social media, etc. Prayer every day at 12.30 on Facebook Live. We hopefully are going to get it on um, YouTube soon. But look, looking for, looking to be able to storm heaven on each other's behalves, looking to take care of one another, love one another, reach out to other people, etc. during this time. So don't give up on that. Trust God in your situation and he is with you. Amen. God bless you.